0: ushers if you want to come forward and prepare for communion, maybe seated for a moment. I've asked Pastor Greg to, uh, to lead us this morning in communion.
1: Did ask me about three minutes before we started, which was plenty of time. All our songs this morning led right up to this didn't it all of them it was fantastic oh the cross of Jesus Christ is the reason I'm alive for his blood has set me free praise God praise God when Jesus bled it was for redemption paying the price for our sin his precious blood was for communion God wanted closeness again all of our chains were broken on that day praise God Lord we thank you we thank you so much just a lot of times that's all I can think is just thank you God thank you Lord because I know you know I know who I was I know who I am I'm a lot better than I used to be and I'm not even sure I'd do anything for me now you know what I'm saying but he did he did it all he, he, took, he took the beating for me he took the abuse he took the punishment that was mine and took care of it so I wouldn't have to deal with it thank you Lord thank you Father before he did it he said here take this bread it's getting broken that's me that's being broken for you take my blood it's the new covenant better than the old deal the best deal thank you father then it says he rose celebrate the day yeah praise God he rose there's power in the way he rose bless his holy name he rose and not just him but out of ashes he lifted us, lifted me to the table. He came and he filled our cup. Every heart and soul, all we are and more, is because of him. Praise the Lord. We thank you for what you did today. And Father, we remember. And that's, that's the basis for everything. Sometimes I think I leave it out when I'm talking to my kids. Doing the right thing. Why are we doing the right thing? We're doing the right thing because that's the right thing. Everything everything I do is based on the fact that this is what He did for me. Everything. Because of what He did for us. And we do that in remembrance of Him today. We're going to come up forward. Come as groups. If you see somebody around you that you don't recognize, invite them in. Bring them with you. Say, come on, be with us. Commune. Commune. Communion. All of us together as a family in Jesus' name. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. And we do remember. And help me to remember to explain that that is why I want to do everything. The, the foundation of, of everything we do Lord is what you've done for us thank you Father thank you go ahead and stand come forward bring somebody with you be a family because that's what we are
0: Turn with me to John chapter 6, beginning with verse 3. It says, Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now, the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread, so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. So that's that, it's an impossible thing. Uh, somebody have the notes in their in their Bible. What's two hundred denarii? Usually it says uh, I think it's like a, a year's worth or something like a year's salary. What does it say? in the notes, in your notes, in your Bible, under 200 denarii. For anyone who actually looked it up as I was saying that, all right. But it was a lot of money. He says, where are we supposed to get all this money? How are we supposed to feed all these people? Jesus asked him to do something impossible. He said, "He said, we're going to feed all these people right now, right here. Well, you never told us, Jesus. You never gave us any heads up. You never warned us ahead of time. But if we would have known that last week, we could have saved some money, and then we could have used it to go and, pay, and, and, and give these people some food. But no, he said, uh, do it right now. But he already knew what he was going to do because it wasn't about money. It was about faith. So verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 denarii. I can look it up real quick because I'm really... (laughs) So the days was two hundred days was two thirds of a year's wage. That's what that's what it was. That's a lot of money. Worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, "There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? So at least somebody had an idea, you know. But it's you have to wonder how he was thinking. You know, we got a kid over here who's got lunch." We've got a kid over here who's got a little bit of money, but what's that going to do? That's not going to meet anybody's needs. This little bit isn't going to cover anything. And and so the, the, the answer wasn't an answer, but it was the answer, wasn't it? It was the answer. It was what somebody had on their heart to give. Now, I, I hope the little boy had it on his heart to give and they didn't swipe it from him, but... There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Here's an impossible opportunity, impossible expectation that needs to be met. They have something that is way beyond Somebody's any individual's ability, it's two-thirds of a year's wage. It's it's beyond the even the groups, they didn't they didn't plan ahead. They, the, the the disciples didn't have enough to make it work. So Jesus says, What do you have? And they said, Five loaves. A little boy has five loaves and two fish. Do you know that a little boy solved the problem? Right. A little boy with God's help solved the problem because he was faithful to give what he had. He was faithful to do what God led him to do. It wasn't about how much he had. It wasn't about the size of the gift. It was about the heart attitude behind it. So we have a, we have all the needs that we normally have. We have the building that needs, you know, the lights need to stay on and praise God that the heat's on and that, you know, we have uh, the needs for, for salaries. We have the needs to keep gas in the van so we can, tomorrow morning they can take it and, and, and pick up the ladies at the, at the thing. And we have, we have needs. There's always financial needs. And then on top of it, we have a building that needs to be added on—four classrooms, five classrooms, whatever. However, the door opens up, whatever we can possibly get in there, and we need to put that on. And that's going to be—you know—praise God, we've raised ninety-five thousand, a little over, and almost ninety-six thousand. Yeah yeah hallelujah and by the end of the year our goal is to be over a hundred thousand and then the the next goal is that next by the end of next year we'll have another hundred thousand to begin the work now it'd be awesome if we had it before then that'd be exciting but immediately as soon as you start putting those goals out, you start saying it out loud all of a sudden you start thinking whoa that's 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 a year's wages for some you know that's that's two-thirds of two people's wages. You know, you, you start going, well, wait a second, that's impossible. But I heard something. I, I listened to the sermon uh, from a couple of weeks ago, and I, in it I heard the announcements being given, and, and somebody, uh, Pastor, actually John said that uh, somebody, or that we had raised uh, over $500, how much was for the quilt? What was the quilt number again? 585 five, five, eight, five and 10 cents. Ten cents. Now, when I heard 5.85 and 10 cents, that absolutely blessed me, because I found out that it was a young boy who gave the 10 cents. That just blesses me. You know, praise God for $25,000 coming in two weeks ago. That's, that was exciting, and it was fun to celebrate that last week. But I had just as much excitement when someone gave 10 cents. Because it's what they were led to do. It's what they did their part. And it's that kind of faith. You know, we, we kind of maybe even wink and smile at that because it's cute. You know, somebody gave, you know, a young, young boy gave 10 cents. Well, that's cute. No, that's faith. That's obedience to do what God led that person to do. Praise God. And that's the kind of faith that this vision will be fulfilled on. Faith to do what God leads you to do. This morning I'm going to talk a bunch about, about the vision, where God is doing it. And I, I, I heard this morning during worship, I heard systematic implementation of the vision. Systematic implementation of the vision. One piece, it, that it's, it's one piece on top of another piece on top of another piece. Systematically implementing the vision. It isn't about the whole vision being accomplished this next week. This, this means systematically we do one part at a time. We do what we're supposed to do today. We do what we're supposed to do today, and then we do what we're supposed to do tomorrow. We don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough to worry about itself. We don't, we don't worry about another 100,000 on top to, to, to deck everything out and get all the AV and all the... God will do that. God will do piece by piece. We don't, we, all we have to do is today, what's the Holy Spirit telling us to do? What's the Holy Spirit telling you to do? How is he leading you today? And, but if we don't ask the question, we won't know. We won't hear. It's, it's our job to say, Lord, what is my part in this? And we'll be praying that again before the end of the service, but as, as far as the offering goes this morning, that is our prayer. Lord, what is our part today? What is it you're leading me to do today, us to do as a family, us to do as a congregation? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that your word works. It works so well, Father. It's amazing, the power of your word, the power of faith, the power of, of obedience, even with a little, to do what you've called us to do. Thank you, Father, that as we give this morning by faith, we don't give by any other reason, for any other pressure, any other uh, purpose, but we do it to honor you and to bless you and to, give, and to give, lift up your name and to give you praise. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen
2: beginning of the service in praise and worship I heard these words and it's for us as a corporate body so it's for individuals but basically what Pastor John just said it fit just right in what he just said the Bible says we're to press towards the mark there's a mark that we're to press towards according to the Word of God The mark is being set by the vision. And any obstacles that come in the way while we're pressing, God will move them. Amen. But we must press. Amen. That means that we're to get in where we're at in our prayer groups. That means that we're to step into the gap and keep pressing. Because it's time to press. And press means labor. But laboring in love, laboring in love towards one another as we press in. For this year, this time, God has declared us to win because we're more than conquerors. Yes. He has given us the goal when we were talking in the car this last about the word go. Well, we got the word go and the word go means to press. So when I'm sitting back there, I'm listening to, trying to listen to God to the best I can. But for everyone in this room, everyone that joins themselves to this congregation and to the other congregations will be involved in this press. And the anointing of God is on the press. The anointing of God is on us to take it and win the vision. Yes. We're to win. I mean... Tell me where God ever told us to lose. Give me a scripture for that, Christian. We need to press in there together this year. We got things we got to do that are really important to God, not only here but in the in the ministry realm out in other places. Pastor John already knows this because it's been given to him by God. But the whole thing about this press is prayer personal time, reading, that's fueling your spirit for the strength in the press. The exhortation is this morning, we got a job to do, a purpose to go, and we're to press into it. And we're to press into it with love. If one of us falls, let's get him up, pick him up off the ground and carry him if we have to. But we need to press. The Spirit of God is saying that we can expect exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. What power we got? Unity. Thank you, God, for the Word.
0: Amen. Turn with me to 1 Timothy 6, verse 11. Up until this point in Timothy, uh, Paul is writing to Timothy saying, stay away from this, stay away from that, stay away from, from the things of the world. Also stay away from, from focusing on the wrong things. But he says, in verse, starting to say in verse 11, he says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, Love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now it says there, fight the good fight of faith. You notice it doesn't say, enjoy the fun fest of faith. It doesn't also say, rest in the spa-like embrace of faith. It also doesn't say, good luck in the crapshoot of faith. It also does not say, sit and twiddle your thumbs on the conveyor belt of faith. Because if you want to experience salvation, you're going to have to fight. Now, you're, I'm just. I started with that one. I began with that one because I want to get the one you're going to twitch at the most out first. Wait a second. I thought salvation came from Jesus. Yes, it does. Absolutely, hundred percent. He he won. He he he. His death on the cross. His bloodshed was the only way, absolute only way, to have relationship with God, to have our sins forgiven, have them wiped away, and and to give us eternal life. That's the only way. You can't get there by being good enough. You can't even get there by fighting hard enough. But once you're saved, it's still a fight. The Word says to work out your salvation. Now, it doesn't mean work to make God happy with you, or make God pleased with you, or make God uh, in you know like you more. No, he, he loves you. He just loves you exceedingly, abundantly more than you could ever hope, think, or ask. He's He is so in love with you. He did everything He could do. He had Jesus come here. He had Him die. He did everything. But to enjoy salvation, to experience salvation every day, and salvation isn't just the forgiveness of my sins. Salvation is everything that He did for us. To experience that, it's going to be a fight. Because every day the devil's trying to tell you that you don't measure up. Every day he's going to, he's going to tempt you and beat you up and, and knock you down and get other people to do the same to you. He's going to cause you to want to quit every single day. And it's going to be a fight all the way to the end. It's going to be a fight to stay focused on him. Even the word that that Vern just had talked about that we need to focus, we need to get on the word, we need to be in the word, we need to be in prayer because all the things of the world around us are trying to pull us off of, they're trying to pull our focus off of the plan and purpose that God has for your life. It's a fight. If you want to experience peace, you're going to have to fight. If you want to experience success, you're going to have to fight. If you want to experience provision, health, you're going to have to fight. Because everything in this world says that he doesn't do those things anymore. Even religious teaching will tell you he doesn't do that anymore. It's all up to you. It's all up to how smart you are and how, how savvy and how, how strong and how whatever. It's in your hands and good luck. No. We put our faith in Him for provision. His, his blessings on you, they come from Him, but everything is going to try to tell you you can't do it here. But it's wrong. But it's a fight. If you want... To experience health, spiritual growth. If you want to experience, experience spiritual growth, you're going to have to fight for it. If you want to experience the advancement of the kingdom, you're going to have to fight for it. If you want the fulfillment of yours and God's goals for your life, you're going to have to fight. This morning is a rallying cry to fight. It's time, in the grand scope of time, God, the universe and everything, it's time to fight. It's time to take your place. Every one of you, every one of us, Every one of us, from the oldest to the youngest. There is no difference. There is no difference in the kingdom of God. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every one of us is called to take our place. This morning is a pivotal time this morning is is absolute paramount that you hear what the whole, what the spirit of God is saying. Because this morning it changes. And it has to change in your heart. It has to change where the battle happens, and that's in your mind. That's where the battle happens. Well, uh, you yeah, know, he's talking about everybody but me. He's talking about everybody, all the smart people, not me. He's talking about all the young people, not me. He's talking about all the old people, not me. He's talking about everybody else but me, no, I'm talking about you. You would not be here, hearing what I'm saying right now. And there'll be those who hear it on recordings. You aren't hearing this by accident. There's not one of you, not one of us, who stumbled into this thing. You've been born for such a time as this. You've been called for such a time as this. You don't, you didn't, you're not just here because, well, I'm here because my parents are here. You're not just here because your spouse is here. You're not just here because you had nowhere else to go this morning. You're here because God looked down through time and saw you and said, you're a part of this. You're a part of what's happening right now, right here in the St. Croix River Valley. You are called to be a part of, of the plan and purpose of God. But just like any fight, a fight doesn't just happen. I mean, it's not just you against the world or you against Satan or you against whatever lack or whatever attack is on you. It's not just you against whatever. It's the kingdom against darkness. It's the the people of God against darkness. Satan's plans, the world's plans. You're you're here as an army. And an army does not fight of its own ability and its own strength and its own provision. An army gains provision because of purpose. An army is sent in to fight. And the money is allocated, and the, and the finances and the, the provisions of all kinds are allocated to fulfill the objective. And that objective is that none should be lost. None. So how do we fight? Second Corinthians 10. Every one of these verses I'm reading this morning you've heard it so many times but it's good to hear and hear the word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 through 6 says for, for though we walk in the flesh we are not waging war according to the flesh. We are not fighting against people. We are not fighting against Individuals or even groups of people that we don't like. We're fighting a spiritual battle for hearts and souls. We're, we're fighting a battle of knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge of the kingdom of God. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and then take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your disobedience or when your obedience is complete. Our focus must be correct or we'll be fighting for the wrong reason. Too many are fighting for the wrong reason. It's funny, when I was writing this, my, my program tries to give me words to, uh, to fit in, where you know, trying to prompt me, and I wrote down, too many are fighting for the weekend, is what came up. <laughs> That's true though, isn't it? Too many are trying to make enough to relax, make enough to have fun, make enough to just make it. That's not the right focus. The focus is souls. The focus are people. And every one of us has a part in the fight. Every one of us has a place in the battle. Every one of you. There are calls on your life. We're going to dig deep today. We're going to go deep on you today. Because that's what the Holy Spirit is saying. He said He wants to go deep on us today. There are callings that has have been pronounced over you. That it's time to walk in. That it's time to make room for. And the first battle you're going to fight is right now for the next 20 minutes. Because the first battle you're going to fight is... He can't possibly be talking about me. So, we're going to not fight with fleshly weapons, but we're going to fight with the Word of God, tearing down strongholds. You have not missed it. You have not missed your window of opportunity, you have not missed your calling. You have not missed the plan of God for your life. You have not missed. You have not gone too far. You have not strayed too far. You have not Why? How do I know that? Because his mercies are new every morning. That's the word of God. But I screwed up yesterday. I don't care. And he doesn't care. His call is irrevocable. His callings and anointings are irrevocable. You have had a call of God on your life from the day you were conceived. And that call was to be everything that He intended for you to be and Satan has been lying to you and stealing from you and beating you up and lying to you and stealing and beating you up and lying for so long that you've actually bought the lie. Well, I'll have to settle for second best. That's a lie. He is a God who restores He, he restores you. As soon as you repent and you turn toward Him, He restores you to where He called you to be from the very beginning. Last week I shared that over the next 10 years, the goal is to start 24 churches. Let's go back a ways. That was, that's crazy talk, man. That's impossible stuff. That's That's nuts. That's like trying to feed 5,000 people right now, right here, right now, with what you have in your pockets. How could we possibly do that? We can't. But we know the one who can. And we know the one who will. But to start 24 churches, to start 24 churches is not a one man game. It's not a ten-person battle. It's a battle that's fought one day at a time. One obedience at a time. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. This is all by the Spirit of God, if you haven't noticed yet. I'm not messing around this morning. I'm diving in with everything. Not only both feet, but everything else. I let go of the rope a long time ago. There are people in this room, mark my words, who will start churches. Some of you, your spirit just leapt within you. Some of you went, no, that's not me. But I'm telling you, I've known it for a long time. I've been trying to build up the, the, okay, John, you can say this but I don't even have that kind of faith to be able to say it publicly. It has to be by the Spirit of God, and you just have to let go and go over. But the moment you let go and go over, miraculous things start to happen. It is God's purpose and plan to fill this valley with churches. Bible-preaching churches. Holy Ghost-overflowing churches. Miracle, signs, and wonders, churches. And you've been in this game long enough. You have what it takes, even though you don't think you do. Or even if you've thought maybe you did and you thought, no, you've talked yourself out of it. Or you're too old. Or you're too young. Or fill in the blank. anything that's worth doing in the kingdom is impossible to man. It's impossible. It's impossible to do what only God can do. But the moment you hook in and you say, okay, Lord, I'm in. Doesn't mean you're going to have the answer today. It may not even be that you have the answer tomorrow. But he's going to give you the answer one day at a time. Every one of us has a place in this vision. Some will start churches. Some will preach. Some will teach. Some will serve. Some will be, will be helps ministries. Some will do children. Some will do worship. Some. One day at a time. And... Well, wait a second, if we start 24 churches, there's a hundred and, say there's a hundred, how many, 20? There's 120 people in the room right now. We start 20 churches, that means five per church. What happens when we start 20 churches and we only, we have nobody left in this room? (laughs) Huh. That's a wonderful, interesting problem, isn't it? What if we, what if everybody is so busy expanding the, the kingdom of God every week, there's nobody left here? <sighs> Do you remember that little thing about sowing and reaping? If we sow 120 people out there, I guarantee you we'll reap a hundredfold here 30, 60, 100, I don't care. 30 times 100 is 3,000. I'm, I'm good with that one. Let's go with 30. Did I do the math right? I did. This must be an anointed sermon. He even did the math right. I don't care if you all follow God and God sends you all kinds of different places. I don't care. Actually, I'll be overjoyed because my job, I'll be able to go, I did exactly what you told me to do. I emptied the place out.
3: <laughs>
0: For the right reason. Thank you, yes, John. For the right reason. Because it was good doctor and it was good purpose. It was a good goal. And look at their, their fulfilling their lives, doing what you've called them to do. Glory to God. That is exciting. And I know you can't outgive God. Because... Twenty-four churches in ten years is a crazy goal. But it's only the beginning. Why can't we just be happy with what we have right now? Why can't we just, why can't we just be us? Why can't we just... You know, why do you always have to have these crazy, out-there, push-it-to-the-end <laughs> visions? Why do you have to keep going outside of the comfort zone? John. Because he's outside the comfort zone. Because he's calling us to do it. It's been made very clear to me, this is where we're headed. And you're not called... Much of Christianity is using faith to meet their needs. Much of our faith over the years has been focused on what, fulfilling what I need. The word of God in in John I'm sorry, I'm Matthew Matthew six Verse thirty beginning with verse thirty says But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Where do you want? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, "Where shall we get people to fill the the pews in five years? Where, where, where shall we get the money to, to cover the lights in five years? What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear?" For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is it, is its own trouble. Our focus must be God's kingdom and His righteousness. His focus. And so our focus is must be souls. Acts chapter 1. I'm not going to expound on this. I've preached this so many times, but you need, it just fits here and it needs to be said here. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The Holy Spirit is saying systematic implementation of the vision. Today, all He's asking from you is yes. Today, you don't have to know where all the money is going to come from. Today, you don't have to know how to preach five, ser- five sermons eloquently. You don't have to know how to be a worship leader. You don't have to know what the drive is going to be like. You don't have to know any of those other questions. The only question he's asking you today is, will you follow me? And when, he said, when I'm saying me, I mean him. I'm only following him. I'm doing my part, and I'll do my part. I, I promise you I'll do my part. But his question is, will you do your part? What is he calling you to do? Some will supply finances. You will be so blessed. You will overflow in blessings that the kingdom will be amply supplied for. Everything that he has set forth to do will be accomplished with manpower, with energy, with time, and with finances. Everything. Watch him do it. But his question this morning is, what will you do? Now, I, uh, I have been in a conversation with Mike Blanchard, and I said that this morning, he had said that he, God put something on his heart, and he said he'd be willing to share it. And I told him he'd have 15 minutes. I was wrong. You have eight. <laughs> because it fits into this. It fits into that. Moving, doing what he's leading you to do. And doing what doesn't necessarily fit in your schedule for this week. Yet, it fits into his into God's schedule six
3: this fits uh this amazing service how things are threading together here so uh several months ago i went and prayed with my grandma went and talked to her she's been a kind of a tough nut she lives down in arizona um Just felt like it was, you ever come in those times in a burden, and and it's just from the Holy Spirit, and you just kind of keep after something, and it was one of those times she stayed away from the Lord her whole life. She just celebrated her 90th birthday, has been resistant. She's not out there defiling her conscience every day. She's kind of one of these people. She's doing well, doesn't really need a whole lot, right? That need of a Savior moment, and yet she has this aching Whole that cannot be filled went down delivered the gospel right this was several months ago came to some moments in that conversation um all the things all the sins that have kept her all the lies the things that the, the battle of the mind that's been spoken about here this morning totally resident for her and i thought the whole time how how, how, how do we get through here, Lord? It's, you know, it's a choice. It's a free will choice, right? But how, the Holy Spirit power, right? Somebody has to believe. Pastor John talked about it in the last few weeks. Believe. It starts with that, right? We had to believe that Jesus' blood, that it was enough. That he's actually alive today. Is he? Who thinks so? We went to Israel a few years ago. It was an amazing concept for because there's a ton of people who almost kind of are like mourning him that he died two thousand years ago. They just they're sad. Like this is where he was. He walked right here, and I kind of get it. But at the same time, it's like, is he alive or is he not? Is is he alive? So is he alive enough to cover our sins? Who here has committed a sin that he isn't alive enough to cover? I mean, really. Do you really believe that? Not many hands are up. Do you really believe it? Do you believe that he's got you for eternity? Forever. That he's living, and he's going to live, and it will last forever. It starts with that belief. Most of us in this room hold that belief. Right? That for salvation, you're good to go. Do you know the Father through the Son Jesus and for salvation, you're you're like this isn't a big argument for me. Where are you going with this? A few couple weeks ago, two, three. My wife gave some testimony and talked about the reconcilement of salvation and healing is the exact same mercy that is new every morning and is from God to us and for us. Who's sick in heaven? Do you believe that living power is alive today? So tomorrow I'm going to get on a plane as, ironically, this serves why so it's amazing for me, a manifestation of what he's talking about. I haven't spent the last 25 years doing what he's been doing. I've been just working the job, making the living for the weekend, <laughs> right? And to sometimes just to make ends meet, to feed all of you, and <laughs> Right? Who knows what that's like, right? Any hands there? Yeah, two hands, right? And yet, there's this little teeny part in me that is going... It's so rusty, hard, like a gear, just... It's turning. It's one thing in my own life to pray life and death over my wife death to the bad right Jesus cursed the fig tree and it died the next day you curse the darkness it's biblical look it up there's no cancer cell there's no disease cell that can stand against the living power of Jesus coming out of your mouth it's one thing for me to do it for somebody that I love and I live with every day and his light years better than me it's another to do it for others somehow in my mind i've got to be a little bit better I've got to live a little better i've got to know a little more i've got to line up the keys and the attributes and all the things that are supposed to take place in order to appropriate some miracle to take place in a single moment Gosh, what a lie. What a lie. What just a bunch of crap. God is so merciful to us. All of us. I see his mercy every day. Just like Greg said, I know who I am, right? And I know what mercy he's given me. A reason why we're able to commune. Because we have some of the same identification points. <laughs> so, tomorrow I'm going to get on a plane and I'm going to go pray the prayer of faith with somebody. The world would say they're at their end. They've gone through treatment after treatment, after surgery, after treatment, after treatment. They're going through their last stage. The world would say that's it. You've fought the good fight, it's enough. I have felt a burden for this person like I cannot describe to you over months. And my wife and I have just prayed and prayed and prayed. And it's increasing, it's not decreasing. So, by faith, I'm going to go pray the prayer of death and life. Just needs to be done. Some little part in me is going. And I think I'm starting to get the message that, that Vern's been living out. he have been communicating more than you think. Gates of hell will not prevail. It's an offensive scripture, it's not a defensive scripture. We're going to go take one more. We're going to go take one from behind the gate. If you're praying tomorrow, pray with me. Wouldn't it be something? I've seen recent video of some churches that were very, very happy with their ability to come together collectively and give money, food, vehicles, stuff. That's all great. That's biblical, too. You can find it in the early church. Famine, all that kind of stuff. they, They did it. We could do that too. Wouldn't it be something if we went out to give life? That's not something I can give. We can't come together and put our minds together and give that one. There's only Him. Only Jesus can do that one. So, going to do that. It's kind of weird for me, honestly. My kids have seen me do some weird things. It's somewhat... But it's honestly, it's a little weird, right? Because it's past this point of do I feel good enough? Do I feel anointed enough? Do I know enough? Can I say the right words? Can I pray well enough? It has so much not to do with that. You know, the... What Was that two weeks ago? When my wife shared and we were praying for phone. You know, we almost didn't show up that day. We had kind of argument in the morning. <laughs> I was so lit inside. I was just a word that I probably shouldn't put on the tape. I, <clears throat> <laughs> I just was like, forget it. I'm <laughs> not And I'll give you that almost all the way here. Man, lots of thoughts. Not necessarily like mad at my wife, but just I was just angry. I was just full of rage. You know the first testimony that somebody came up here and gave? Anybody remember that one? I do. (laughs) Right? Are you here today, Jim? Yeah, where are you? Are you here? You're not here. Cabin. God that guy the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God right and I'm like well isn't that nice <laughs> right by the spirit and it was by the spirit right and then it just but that's I think all I'm trying to communicate to you and I'll, I'll give it back because I know see I went four minutes over is I think I get the perspective that we're all just supposed to just run off and lose ourselves a little bit and just run with what the Holy Spirit is. It doesn't mean it's a license to be horrible and, you know, when you repent and you receive salvation, you've got to turn your life around, right? Like you can't just stay there. But there's so many people hurting around us and Jesus' disposition towards all of us is that none would perish None. Not for those of us who have had the mercy applied to our lives and we're on this side of the gate, and that none of them would perish that are behind the gate trapped right now. And wherever you are this week, with whatever co worker or family or friend, and somebody is there in front of you. And they need a touch from the Spirit of the Lord God, you bring it. Because you're not worthy. He is.
0: Let's stand. Hallelujah. Father, we're standing, all of us here together as a congregation, but Lord, we also are standing here as individuals, and not only us, but the, every person in this building, every member and attender of this church. Father, we're standing here before you, and our heart, I, I know these people and our our hearts, are to serve you and to love you. Father, I pray that by your Spirit this week, you will reveal to each one of us the beginning, maybe it's a first snapshot, maybe it's it's a bigger picture than what you've shown us before, but that, that you'll increase our understanding into your call on each of our lives. Thank you, Father, for giving us the guts to say yes. Thank you, Father, for giving us the faith to follow you. And Father, I thank you that your word will not return void. Not one, not one jot or tittle. It all accomplishes everything you've set it forth to do. Thank you for it, Father, in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.